there was the Appalachian music, which was basically the Irish. And a lot of the bluegrass songs, you can hear an Irish flavor to it. But then they heard the black harmonies and the black rhythms, and they kind of got together. And bluegrass has a lot of that soulful sound in it. A lot of that stuff is real bluesy. You'll hear some of those string banding leads. That's soul music. This is Beaver County filmmaker Christopher Writer, Daniel Ross Kelly Keen. Powell, managing this director. This is Beaver County artist Marlon This is Gist. Beaver County filmmaker Joseph Chain. Podcast producer Kevin This Farkas. is Pamela Rossi Keen, the director of the Genesis Collective. And you're listening to the Genesis, Genesis Collective, Collective Podcast. Podcast. The Genesis Collective, supporting local artists and their work, making art more accessible, and putting art back into our communities. I'm Kevin Farkas one of the hosts of the podcast. On this episode, we talk about making bluegrass music in Beaver County with Dave Foster and Judy Foster, whose band, East of Enon, is part of a small but vibrant community of local Americana musicians. Americana is a mixture of various homespun musical traditions from folk, country, blues, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, gospel, and bluegrass each separate and distinct, but also borrowing and blending the stylings of one another. It's an extraordinary, interesting genre. East of Eden's signature sound is a mixture of gospel and bluegrass. So let's start with a basic question. What is bluegrass? Judy? It's a traditional type of music. It's all acoustic, where you have your bass and your fiddles and your guitar and the and the mandolin, and a lot of times banjo, but it's very little electronic uh, interference. Is this old-timey music? I would say so. <laughs> yeah, we sing a lot of songs by a guy named Jimmy Rogers from the 1920s. He was one of the first country stars, and I have actually seen a clip of him singing dressed as a railroad brakeman. He yodeled and Mule Skinner actually, Blues. Is yes, that big, yeah. yeah. So we we do some of that because our interest is railroads too. Being from Enon Valley, we're a railroad town, so we kind of connect with some of those subjects like that. Dave, now are you a trained musician? No, I don't have any. Um, proper training. I do everything by ear. My grandmother was a fiddler. She plays piano and she played a harmonica. And she tells stories about uh, when they were young teenagers and they would have singings. Uh, and this is around this area, the Little Beaver area. Every week they'd go to somebody's house and all my mother's uh, siblings would sing uh, harmony. They would just get together Christmas and all the holidays when they, anytime they got together, they were singing. And there's something uh, special about family harmony because we say the words the same way. We like to sing around one mic. That's the that's a traditional bluegrass way to sing around one mic. And then when you have a solo, you step in. When you're singing harmony or back up, you're, st you're stepping back. And you listen to each other and you adjust your volume and your cadence and your timing. And you're looking at each other. We have to look at each other because uh, we can cue each other by dirty looks that Judy gives me. Or, <laughs> or, uh, the, or, we just sang that verse. Um. <laughs> and uh, I have another daughter that sings with us, but we've been received well. It seems like people like to hear the traditional harmonies and acoustic sound of, the, of a good uh, instrument. We go out, we, we meet people from all different walks of life, doctors playing banjo, all kind of uh, musical instruments. And there's people that are classically trained that are playing bluegrass music. And yet they can play with a guy like me who's 
who picked it up from from an old lady who was a neighbor, you know. So that's the way I started. She showed me some chords and I'm not a good guitar player, but I have a lot of fun doing it. Judy, what do you play? I don't play any instrument. Oh, that's you don't? that's something that's unique about our group too, because most of the bluegrass groups that we play alongside, they have maybe two or three other people playing instruments. I've messed with guitar lessons. I just don't practice. You know, before electricity and recordings and all that, the only music that one would hear in society was the music that was made on the porch or in the town gazebo on acoustic instruments. So the music that you're playing, it harkens back to those days. But this is music that is probably best received, played live, where you guys are doing the interaction and your audience gets to participate in that as well. So is that the magic of bluegrass? It's acoustic, it's interactive, it has all that going for it? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. It's uh, the feedback that we get from the audience. We may change up what we're going to sing next because we're seeing they're liking that certain type of music or that certain, maybe it's gospel. Maybe that's what we're getting the most reaction from. Maybe it's gospel. Maybe it's the old traditional Jimmy Rogers or Bill Monroe or something that we do a little bit. You know, we see that feedback we get and we try to react to it. What are your crowds like? Are they large crowds that you draw in? Well, we've been playing mostly lately at these jams, they call them. Now, first of all, the Anderson family that just live up the road, Echo Valley, they would have a monthly jam at their farm, and we would send out emails. We would fill up their pole building with all kinds of people. It was a different crowd every month. We never knew who was coming. And people were free to also, if they played music, to get up and play. Hey, you have something? Come on up. You want to sing with us? Do you want to play with us? And it was a warm inviting place, family-friendly. The kids would run around chasing the dog, and the adults would just be sitting back enjoying that. And that room was full. We also have a friend named Gene Whalen. He has a outdoor pavilion at his place. And we have sometimes in the fall, like a corn roast that fills up, you know, just the same type of a feeling. You know, the people feel comfortable there. They don't have to get dressed up, but they always comment that they leave feeling that, you know, it's been fulfilling to them or it lifted their spirits. Maybe they had a bad week and it, it ended their week well, you know. It's my guess that uh, you're not drawing the tailgating Kenny Chesney crowd. No, no. <laughs> tell you, I had a rewarding experience one time and there's this little boy and he was less than two years old. He wasn't walking well, but it was after or we, we, we weren't playing up front. Everybody was just standing around. Everybody was just playing. And this little guy come up and he grabbed a hold of my pant leg because he wasn't steady on his feet. And he looked up at me while I was playing and he stayed there. I mean, little kids don't have a long attention span. He stayed there He probably for two or three minutes and just watched that and listened to that and felt that vibration in his body, his chest. You know, when you hear those acoustic instruments, it's not just audio. It's you feel the, the air and the sound waves in these upright basses are tremendous in, in rooms this size. That's the percussion part of a bluegrass band is that upright bass. You don't have, normally you don't hear a drum. Yeah, there aren't drums typically, mm -mm. right? This upright bass is very common that looks like a big... It's a bass vial used in uh, orchestras and it's bowed normally in uh, bluegrass. It's plucked. It carries the rhythm and normally it can be heard without amplification. I see it now more that they're, they put a little mic on it. And uh, for my taste, they put too much bass on it. And you're, you're playing a guitar. Is the Dreadnought guitar, which is a bigger, boomier kind of guitar, the tr a traditional bluegrass Yes, it style? is. And, and uh, I tell you, it's, I, I play a Gibson Hummingbird. 
but the traditional bluegrass instrument that you will see everywhere is the D28 Martin. And that baby, it reaches out. And they picked out these very intricate leads. That on, it's this flat picking that uh, Judy mentioned earlier. It just, uh, it just pierces. And uh, then, of course, you have a banjo and a mandolin. They're high, and they're, they're grabbing the attention. But these Martins, they'll get it. They'll get a good job done. They're good. I think you're rather fond of these Martin D28s. Oh, that's, good. that's a good guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you mentioned the banjo, the mandolin, the traditionally a dreadnought guitar, an upright bass, harmonica? Sometimes. Somebody will just pull it out of their pocket and, 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 be, and just jump right in. And they, they'll do leads. Uh, like uh, they'll start out maybe the local. We'll start out, and you, and then the, the the mandolin will take a lead, and then they, and they'll sing a little bit more, and the banjo will take a lead, or the guitar will take a lead. And I always like that when bluegrassers are playing, they'll back off. They're respectful to the other guy's instrument and his his talent. What's the origin of that? You know, playing to one mic and then the turn taking. Do you know? Jazz does that too. Where, where you'll hear the jazz uh, players, and it'll be their tone on the xylophone or the or the piano. Or the or the trumpet or the trombone or or the lead guitar, you know. Now that that's very interesting, Dave. So that's that sort of the, you know the playing live, but the listening, the recitative sort of dynamic that is there. That is also evident. It, well, you know, jazz has African American origins. Bluegrass is it's Americana too. That's interesting that those two things work like that. They do fascinating. And I was told this story that when the railroads came through the hills of West Virginia, and, and uh, they, there was the Appalachian music, which was basically uh, the Irish. And a lot of the bluegrass songs, you can hear an Irish flavor to it. But then they heard the black harmonies and the black uh, rhythms. And they kind of got together. And bluegrass has a lot of that soulful sound. And it's blues, bluegrass, you know, it's a blues, uh, bluesy sound. A lot of that stuff is real bluesy. And uh, you'll hear some of those string bending leads, you know, that you, you hear them do. And that is, is, is soul music. Is bluegrass music well-received in Beaver County? Is it niche, as they say? Just, uh... There is. And uh, now I, we had the, the uh, Brady's Run Bluegrass Festival for many years down there. It was just packed. That whole park was packed full of people. And they would camp and stay and listen to, they'd get uh, well-known uh, bands to come in. And then that would, there would be draws that had people. But there, there was still that jamming was going on all the time, too, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm just curious about something, and maybe, Judy, you can shed some light on this. So if it's popular, if these venues get packed, how come I'm not hearing bluegrass on the radio? Does it not have the kind of commercial appeal that would you know make it appear on the radio? It might not. And we, we were talking about this. There's a, a station that you can listen to all bluegrass all the time on XM, but really there's nothing like that around. We thought that somebody would get, get like a talk show going and, and request songs now i will say in pittsburgh bruce mountjoy he has a radio station i want to say w-y-e-p he has a show i think it's every sunday night at eight o'clock that you know people call in and enum valley community day this is the fourth year we've had a bluegrass festival attached to to our regular community day with our parade and the whole town being involved we've had maybe three or four bands each year that we hire to come. And we pack the tent. People just, just want to come in and relax a little bit, and they seem to enjoy that. I'm curious about you know, where this music is in terms of today and maybe the future. 
Do you see that bluegrass will continue being popular here in the county, at least in the circles that you guys play, uh, that it, it, it may even increase or, or not? How do you, what's the future of bluegrass in, in your experience? Myself, I'm not really sure, but I will say with the Anderson kids, Echo Valley, that music really speaks to those kids and they practice and practice and they hone their skills and they're excellent. And they've had some classical training too, but they're involved in a group called Tomorrow's Bluegrass. I think it's something like that. There's a gentleman maybe from Kentucky that they met up with. He's going around the country looking for these young kids playing and trying to build them up and getting their their talents honed a little bit so that they're ready to to keep going if they they choose to travel around as far as this area i i i don't really know are you seeing younger people coming to these bluegrass concerts more diverse people is that a sign of where things are what i see right now and i i see some young people but when you look out there it's mostly blue hairs you know (laughs) (laughs) old people old people and uh and and they uh that's that's mainly who we're playing to now. I think some of these younger bands that were uh, the, the new grass, uh, they have a following. They have a following, and and they wouldn't be playing that on XM if they didn't have a demand for it. To me, they have a whole show every day that's just nothing but new grass, and I'm not interested in it, you know. But uh, there are people <laughs> yeah. that are obviously, yeah, you know, and uh, and so I think it's going to evolve. And, and slide over in that. But you'll even hear some of those new grassers go back to a traditional one. And uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've found that when we're playing, and again, I'm looking at blue hairs out there, they appreciate songs that are familiar to them, mm-hmm. you know, rather than a, a new song that they never heard before. It'll bring back memories from, you know, their childhood or, or, or their upbringing. We've had people come say, that song, my dad used to play that when I was a little girl, you know, and I haven't heard it since. And the joy we share as we take. The old railroad songs and the old traditional bluegrass songs and the gospel. We do a lot of gospel, which I think is it's kind of our niche. Has ever known. You've been listening to a conversation about Beaver County bluegrass music with Dave and Judy Foster, whose band, East of Eden, is part of a small but very active community of local musicians working in the tradition of acoustic Americana music. Check out the show notes to this episode to find out more about East of Eden and Beaver County's bluegrass scene. And while you're there, please consider generously supporting this podcast by making a donation or in-kind contribution to the Genesis Collective. Community support helps us share more stories of Beaver County artists and creators, such as photographers, filmmakers, musicians, actors, and podcasters. We'd like to thank the generous support of the Arts Equity Reimagined Fund for help making this podcast possible and funding the important work of the Genesis Collective. Before we go, I want to highlight a piece of public artwork in Beaver County and encourage you to go see it. Yes, get in the car and go see it. Talk about it and share it on social media. After all, art is too important not to share. As we often say on the podcast, 
Public art is meant for public display, often representing universal concepts and ideals and a community's shared interests and experiences. Public art reveals to us a defining spirit of a particular moment in history, often shown through the ideals and beliefs of the time. This is called zeitgeist. Think about war memorials, historical statues, protest art, and artwork that reflects back to us hope and possibility. But there's also public art that's, shall we say, not so heavy, fun, perhaps, amusing, and delightful. We might say that this episode's featured artwork is all that. But look a little closer, understand its context and setting, and it becomes clear that this artwork is sending us an important reminder that nature, in the hands of human beings, is fragile, delicate, and ultimately dependent upon our care or carelessness. We humans are stewards of the environment. That's not a new message, of course, but step onto the grounds of the Sully Nature Park in Chippewa Township with its blooming pollinator gardens, and you can see nature going on about its business. The park is a metropolis of birds and bugs, caterpillars, bees, and butterflies. The park is also an educational center, teaching us about the delicate life cycles of animals and plants. There's a heavy focus on pollinators. You know, all those critters that flit and flap their way from flower to flower, helping ensure that these life cycles continue. It's hard to say how many species of pollinators there are in the park, though I'm sure the volunteers who manage the educational wildlife program there have taken account. But even to the untrained eye, there's only one species of butterfly art. It's new, installed just this past year, designed, created, and donated to the park by local artists Carlin and Scott Wilson. The metal butterfly sculpture is stunning in size, but its construction is probably the most interesting thing about it. It's made of repurposed metal objects, old rusted grating for wings, rebar for flower stems, plumbing handles at the center of flowers and the ends of antennae. Welded chain links form a caterpillar munching on a plate metal leaf. The design is simple. A butterfly lands upon the apex of a compositional triangle of flowers, proboscis lowered, the flowers below bend and arch their way up toward the sun as if supporting the feeding butterfly in time and space. The entire sculpture is centered and planted within a landscape square box sprouting a variety of blooming flowers. It's a contrived scene, of course, but turn around toward any of the park's pollinator gardens and you'll see live butterflies doing the same thing. But look quickly, they flit away so abruptly and they're gone. Our butterfly sculpture, however, remains. No matter the season, it remains, constantly reminding us of the importance of pollinators for the health and well-being of the natural world. We hope you will stop by the Sully Nature Park in Chippewa Township, Pennsylvania to see this delightful sculpture. It's significant public art, speaking to the zeitgeist of the times, speaking to the importance of nature. Seeing it is well worth the trip. That does it for this episode of the Genesis Collective Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes featuring local Beaver County artists, more art talk, news and events about the Genesis Collective, and our spotlight on public art throughout the county and in your community. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Genesis Collective Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our website, 
gcollective.org. I'm Kevin Farkas. See you next time. listening to a production of the Genesis Collective, supporting local artists and their work, making art more accessible, and putting art back into our communities. What I want you to know above all is that the Genesis Collective is about you. It's about our community. It's about something that is crucial to who you are as a human being. It taps into a power that we don't realize we have. Artists are making things. This is who they are and what they want to do. Please dream with us. Get involved. So there's room in bluegrass to evolve, to adapt, to accommodate different things, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. How, how fascinating. Dave, are you going to put a distortion pedal on your guitar at some time and uh, just test <laughs> no, it out? No, just shoot me. If, if you see me do that, just shoot me. I'm not doing that, though. Get to number. I would love to hear that. That would be interesting. <laughs>